Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. So go out and buy a couple of copies. And if you're the audiophile, which many of you are, you can get volumes one through eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please partake of the banquet that has been laid out before you, mine host. (laughs) And before I bring my brother in today, uh, many of you have been sending in emails to me, condolences, prayers from me and Paula. Uh, Some of you have said you were in tears when you were listening to my little exo-Jesus on uh, meeting my wife and the lives we shared together. And it made me realize, not that I hadn't thought about it before, but that, you know, we got a little family going on here. You know, we're looking out for one another. And it feels good, doesn't it, to have somebody on the end of the microphone that's wearing their heart on their sleeve a little bit, which is not so prevalent in today's society. We live with text messages and long-distance relations and all kinds of strangeness going on. But like my friend Jane in New Hampshire said tonight, she remembered the old Italian dinners on Sunday with 20 people in the house. And her aunt lived up the block, and her cousins would pop in on her. That's the way it used to be, and we like that. We like the closeness, and I like the fact that you're writing into me with your heartfelt condolences. And I may not mention them. I may not even get to read all of them. There's so many of them. But believe me when I tell you, I really, really appreciate Uh, your feelings, and that you're reaching out to me at a time when God knows I could use it. So let's leave it at that for now, shall we? And may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Okay, Kev. You know, I, I just couldn't believe how many people, after hearing last week's podcast, uh, were writing in. I didn't send them all over to you because, you know, we're looking for things that, not that that's not pertinent listener mail, you know what I mean? But I'm trying to pick some things. But there were even some of those that came in that I thought that maybe over a period of time are worthy of being read. You know, it's a human interest thing. Sure. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, very interesting. And we really, the more time goes on, the more I realize what a great, great listening audience we have. Well, it's fun, Bill. We talk about it. We joke around about it. But it's true where when Bill and I started this podcast, right, you know, he had written the Bigfoot books and had appeared as a guest on a lot of podcasts. And then he called me up, me being the tech guy, and said, hey, uh, I need you to help me set up a podcast. I didn't know I would be on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to set up the tech. So, you know, we ended up doing it, and, and Bill said to me, you know, well, what do you think? You think it'll be a big hit? And I said, Bill, like, you got to be realistic. Like, we may have a couple of family members that listen to this and no one else. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, it's not, it's not like we pay to promote it or something like that. So... It is shocking how many listeners we have, number one, <laughs> how the listenership keeps growing. And then and then it's so wonderful to hear from people. You know, it started, right, Bill, where we would hear from people during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Where yeah. people were like, thank you so much. You're helping me get through this. You know, I'm laughing out loud while I have my headphones on. <laughs> And I'm listening to you guys, and and it helped us get through it too. So so uh, yeah, Bill, it's it's wonderful. But I <laughs> never ever in a million years thought it would be this way. And I know everyone <laughs> says it, and people out there probably think it's cliche. But you know, start a podcast, and you're like lucky if you can get your family members to listen. To it. <laughs> Yeah, and some of them won't do it just to spite you. Well, that too, that too. I mean, it's, it's. I was going to say, when you were complimenting everybody on family, you know, but we're actually much more functional than a typical right. family. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, man. But yeah, uh, there's something really special going on here. And uh, although it may be a turnoff to some people, which I frankly don't care about. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> don't get me going because I'm ready. Uh, I know it's a turnoff to some people. Like, where's the Bigfoot story? When are you going to start uh, talking uh, about it? But, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to people out there, and we need to look after each other. And uh, we're thankful and glad that so many of you enjoy what we're doing because let me tell you something. I enjoyed the heck out of doing it. So not, there could be nothing wor uh, more worthwhile to a teacher than to have his students appreciate what they do. And that's what we're doing here. We're, we are entertainers of sort, but we're, we didn't get into it for that. We got into it to talk smack about Bigfoot. <laughs> and, uh, I was going to say, and don't worry, folks. We give you the Bigfoot. We give you the hairy man. Like, you're going to get it. Don't worry. We don't, we don't skip the hairy man. So. Oh, you're going to get it. Oh, you're going to get it. He may come knock on your door. Hi. I just brought my friend, the hairy man, with me tonight. Can we come in? We just want to. We just want to use your telephone. <laughs> if those black-eyed children show up, you know who Santa. <laughs> Break out the lead. <laughs> we just. We just want to borrow your phone. Yeah. Nothing okay. To worry about. 
How about, bo- <laughs> How about borrowing this, bozo? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, tonight in yeah. cryptids and other oddities in the news, we're going to get the creep on. Oh, no. And by the way, no kidding, outside tonight, as I look out the window, yeah, there is a full moon. Yes. And these, like, wispy Halloween clouds are blowing by in front of the moon. Yeah. And it's a perfect night to be looking out my window here on the second story and have, <laughs> like, a 15-foot-high dog man <laughs> looking in the window with red glowing eyes and big pointy ears. Because <laughs> it is a full moon. <laughs> that would be a big boy at 15 feet. Well, you know, that's how they grow them. <laughs> oh my but goodness! Anyway, yeah. so we're going to talk about two of my two of my favorite things: creep and old story. Ah, uh, they go together, don't they? They go together. And by the way, we did this topic, but it was a hundred and thirty or so podcasts ago. Great, yeah. And I loved it then. It's one of my favorites. No, folks, it's not my all-time favorite, spring Jack, <laughs> but it is close to spring Jack. We're going to talk about the Van Meter Visitor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Very creepy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the Van Meter Visitor is a winged creature that terrorized a small town in Iowa over 120 years ago, or about 120 years ago. Okay. In 1903. Yeah, the turn of the century, right? Right in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people saw this for a short amount of time. So it's a little bit like the the legend of the Mothman Uh in West Virginia. Um, and it's a little uh, creepy as well. So it, it happened over a period of a couple of months in September and October of 1903. Okay. okay. And <coughs> several <Excuse> instances <coughs> with different groups of people claiming to have seen this winged bat-like creature in and around the town of Van Meter, Iowa. Wow, man. Yeah. You know, that area, Kev, Iowa, Illinois, what are we calling that? Like the upper Midwest or something? Yeah, I guess it's upper Midwest, sure. Or just the Midwest, generally speaking. Yeah, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa. There's a lot of activity going on up there, and the population is not as robust as some other areas, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of rural areas there in Iowa, for sure. Yep. Wow. Van the, Meter. Maybe the Van Meter visitor liked corn. <laughs> yeah, plenty of food to eat. Sustenance. Yeah. So this thing is uh, described by all these different people that saw it over this period as half human, half animal, with enormous bat wings, <laughs> a huge horn sticking off of its head, and there was a blinding light that shot out of the tip of the horn. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you're out in the street at night and you see something coming and then this 
horn lights up and you you can't run, you can't hide. Where are you going to go? No. And, wow. And again, a lot of people saw it back in 1903 and several of Van Meter's most most respected citizens reported seeing it. So it's not like, you know, the town drunk saw it or something like that. These are like, you know, the the town elders and stuff like that saw this thing and reported it. And again, back then in 1903, it's not like you were trying to get hits on YouTube or something like that. You know, right. if you came forward, if you were brave enough to come forward to talk about something like this, you were afraid of it. And you were trying to share the story because you didn't know what the heck it was and you were worried about it coming back. Yeah, and back then people were more well-respecting of each other. Oh, yeah. Like if if I came to you as an upstanding citizen and said to you, listen, Kev, I have something to share with you. You're talking hypothetically, right? That's correct. And you, <laughs> you wouldn't shoot me down or laugh at me. Uh, you know, there was a different tenor to conversations and the sharing of information uh, at that point in yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, no? I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old. So yeah, I, but you I know don't what really I mean. know, but I know what you mean. There was yeah. there was less to gain. You right. know, there was a local newspaper. That was it, you know, yeah. and, and you worried about your reputation, I'm sure. So people were less likely to report anything that might be fake because, you know, how would you recover from it? Right. Your reputation was literally on the line. On the line. Exactly. So the folks that saw this thing, it's interesting. In addition to the freaky, bat-like, nine-foot-tall creature with a horn with a blinding light that shot out of it, when they saw this thing flying around, they said it was moving at speeds that they had never witnessed before. Wow. So, yeah, like zipping around, you know, like some, you know, absolutely freaky creature creature. And guess what, Bill? What? what other what other characteristic do you think it had? Uh, red eyes. Well, not red eyes, but a good old stink. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about stink, I have to tell you. Well, you know, it's either red eyes or stink, but <laughs> and sometimes both. There's nothing like a flying stink bomb around exactly. the neighborhood. They described it as having a powerful stench. <laughs> well, you know, typically, you know, I hate to beat the drum again, but typically when it's a stench or a smell of rotting flesh or sulfur or the like, you know who's at the uh, foot of that, don't you? Some type of demonic thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Always the stench <laughs> accompanies the demonic. Yeah. So uh, just remember that. Unless you happen to see a Bigfoot walk by and his butt is clumped up with you-know-what. <laughs> that may that's be a, a different reason for the stench. Right. That's that's another explanation for the stench, which if I've heard like, about. A, there may be a stench. Yeah, especially if you got all kinds of hair hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> if your butt looks like a wish, the top of a wishnik's head, you're going to have problem with leaves, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 
So on the first night this was seen, the witnesses reported it flying across the building tops. The next evening, it was spotted by both the town doctor and the bank cashier, and they also found some tracks of it, and they took a plaster cast of what they described as great three-toed tracks. Wow, now that's interesting. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. And on the third night, a man spotted it perched atop a telephone pole. And another resident saw it on the ground where it was hopping along, they said, like a kangaroo. Wow. You know, it saddens me a little bit that somebody went to the trouble of making castings. I wonder where the heck those castings are today. Yeah. Wouldn't it be something if somebody had it in Grandpa's attic, the Van Meter monster casting? <laughs> Maybe the American Pickles will run across that in Iowa say, one day. Got to start stopping at all the garage sales and look for the Van Meter monster yeah. casting. Yeah, they'll, they'll be like, they'll oh, look. sir, what are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for the Van Meter monster casting. <laughs> I got to try that on Saturday morning because I always, I always stop by a couple of yard sales on Saturday morning. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where those American picker guys hail from is Iowa. That's true. So uh, I bet you they're up there in somebody's attic or some dresser drawer in a three-story old house somewhere, and nobody even knows what they are or that they're even there. We're going to be watching the pickers one night, and it'll be like, hey, hey, look at that. You're not talking about it. That's the (laughs) man meter casting on the shelf there. Hey, is it just what W.J. on Bigfoot Terror in the Woods was talking about? I think it is. We <laughs> found it by Jove. Hey, Mike, pick that up. <laughs> I don't care how much he wants for it. And what about this old bicycle? <laughs> Let me make a package of the Van Meter hooves and the bicycle. Exactly. A bundle. A, <laughs> a bundle. bundle. There you go. Yeah. A bundle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, Kev, really, this Van Meter thing... You, you just have to take it apart and think about the individual parts. First of all, this thing, it has wings, but wings don't propel you back and forth like you're, you got a jet pack on. You know what I mean? No, but remember how big this thing is, though. So if it's yeah. really nine feet tall yeah, and then it's gliding down, it's going to be moving. Well, that's true. You know, yeah, not for- a couple of hundred miles an hour or anything, but... This right. is before airplanes, right? So, right, you know. And when they say when they say faster than anything they've seen before, what may they have seen? A hawk? I was going to say a bird. Yeah, some type of speedy little bird zipping around. Yeah, uh, but uh, maybe a mallard duck or something. You know, going sixty-five miles an hour. But yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely interesting, and I'll tell you up front, man. Uh, if I was outside at night and something like this came down on you, you 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 you'd be shaking in your boots, man. Oh, you know. I mean, uh, well, and I'll put up some of the like images. They're not real photographs of the thing, but there's some images from back in the day, uh-huh. as well as uh, a pretty cool old photograph of uh, what they called the 1901 Bachelors of Van Meter. And in that picture, several of the men who, uh, several of the men are featured that saw the creature. <laughs> I wonder if they did any artist drawings back then, or if they had a little posse go out for a week looking to 
Well, so they do talk about the fact that when they did see it, like after it was seen a few times and they were looking for it, that they did throw a lot of lead at it at one point and the thing seemed completely unaffected. So they got shots off at this yes. thing. Yes. And you're not going to shoot at nothing. Come on. I mean, the story gets stretched and stretched and stretched. If guys are carrying weapons and a number of people open up to fire, they were seeing something worthy of shooting at. Oh, yeah. And like I said, you'll see some of these images that I'll post under this episode, uh, uh, Podcast 161. And, uh, you know, it's pretty creepy. By the way, the in full disclosure, the picture of the 1901 Bachelors of Van Meter, there's a couple of them that look like they're pretty creepy <laughs> as well. <laughs> they're probably still bachelors? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just saying. This is back when I guess you have to keep your eyes open for the uh, time-lapse photography. Well, some of them were working really hard to keep their eyes open, and they look a little bit like the Van Meter visitor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Well, that's a bizarre thing, man. Yeah. And, and by you know the way, what? a lot of what I talked about, came out of an article in the Des Moines Register in Iowa. So I've got to give credit to the Des Moines, Des Moines Register. Yeah, you know, and I have to believe, Kev, uh, from that day and time, that's the glory of these old stories. Uh, I give it a true. I mean, I give it a true in that I don't know what these people saw, but to get that type of reaction... Uh, from, from first of all, the several witnesses, and then from the community at large. Something went on there. Yeah, oh yeah. And there's an illustration. Again, I'll put it on our website. Um, an old, like, uh, black and white illustration. It looks like it was in a newspaper. Um, and it's this dragon-like creature flying with a horse in its mouth. Wow. And, like, two guys down on the ground, one of them has a rifle in his hand. So, and that was some type of from where? Where did that come from? They they don't have a site, but it's rela- it's on this Des Moines Register article. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And underneath the caption says, "The myth of the strange creature has survived and be re- been retold for several generations, um, and uh, written about in the town's centennial book." <laughs> What a strange and bizarre occurrence, you know? Yes. And folks, you know, uh, once in a blue moon, Kev, you know, uh, some stick in the mud sends an email out like, I heard that episode. Uh, We don't really hear that. I mean, 120 episodes ago, and by the way, you know, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I tell people is I can't get enough. I mean, it's like how many times have I spoken or listened to uh, programming about uh, Area 51? Oh, yeah, uh, the Roz- tune in yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could watch the same show 50 times. Yeah. You know, so I'm not that way. I mean, there's a certain amount of redundancy in what we do because some of these stories uh, just like classics, like the Loch Ness Monster. I've been hearing about that since I was a little boy. Yeah. 
So, you know, uh, repetition. Yeah, by all means. <laughs> Bring on the worry, Van folks, Meter. We won't do the Van Meter visitor again next week. But maybe the week after. Yeah, two weeks is fine. <laughs> all right, Bill. So what do you got? Do you have some Harry Man for the audience tonight? Well, this is a, a strange, strange uh, tale. Uh, I'll throw it out there to you, and uh, you tell me what you think. I started off by saying that uh, I have said throughout the writing of many books that repetition is the norm. Funny we should just be talking about that, as it pertains to all things Bigfoot-related. And so it is with this particular narrative, This man has once again been the recipient of an ongoing dream prior to the discovery of what it was that he believes he was meant to find. This is the account, as it was told to me by Kyle Frazier, a resident of the state of Idaho. In 1974, I had been having a reoccurring nightmare of a man racing along on a dirt bike through the trails in a forest. It wasn't just any dirt bike, but rather a very particular style of dirt bike, a Boltaco Persang. And in this dream, as he was racing through the timber, a huge, menacing, hair-covered monster leaped out of the timber as he was about to pass, clotheslining him off the dirt bike with its forearm, and then killed the man with all the accompanying screams of terror and death associated with the killing. Quite a recurring dream. So horrific was this nightmare that whenever it occurred, I would find myself sitting up in bed, breathing heavily, and trying to compose myself as though it had just happened and I was a witness to it. It was then, as I was planning a hunt for the 1975 season, that I felt to go to Vancouver Island. Philip, if you're listening, your neighborhood. I had never been there, and Jonathan as well. I had never been there, but at that time, it was the most inconvenient and expensive thing for me to do, and yet, I almost felt as though it was my destiny to do so, if that makes any sense to you at all. Despite my strongest efforts to resist, I began making all the necessary booking arrangements and flights needed to secure the hunt on Vancouver Island. Without boring you all with all of the incidentals, the day came when I met up with my guide, and we were well on our way on day one, hiking into the timber in pursuit of our mark. This place was magnificent, more so than any other location in which I had hunted before. It had a feeling of being extremely ancient and forgotten, 
separated from the rest of the world, and I was really enjoying being there. It was on day three of our hunt, just after we had crossed a shallow stream, that we were slowly following some bear tracks into the trees, and our eyes and ears were wide open in expectation of anything and everything which may occur at any given moment. There was a very real and palpable feeling of eeriness within the area we were hiking, and it was something I hadn't felt on the previous two days. Now, let's see. Sorry, folks, I lost my place for a second. As we slowly made our way into the woods, my eyes were drawn to what was a patch of bright yellow, visible through a grouping of bushes. As we moved closer to inspect what exactly I was seeing, we had actually walked up on and were now looking at a Boltaco Persang dirt bike. And the yellow which I had seen was the number shield which was attached to the bike's side cover. The bike was a red 250cc, which was the very same motorcycle which I had had been seeing time and time again in my nightmare. Not wanting to let on to my guide the gory details of what I had seen and what was now running through my mind, the two of us stood there wondering just how this machine had come to be where it was. It was then that I noticed the remains. Some 40 feet away from where the carcass of this motorcycle lay were what appeared to be the decayed remnants of a set of riding leathers. As we drew near to them, the bones became visible, protruding from the protective leather. The dream at this point kept replaying in my mind in which the Bigfoot jumped the rider, straight-armed him off of the bike as he rode by, and killed the man with brute force. These remains were both entangled in and attached to an old-growth tree by a set of thick vines that had grown through them, now holding them firmly in place like the bars of a jailer's cell. It was positively horrific. When I came to grips with what I was seeing, yet another splotch of color caught my eye. This time, it was the rider's helmet within which was the owner's head, having been clearly detached from the body and secured still within the helmet. I knelt down next to it and noticed the visor had been shattered, although its mounts were still snapped to the old Buco helmet. It was then that I saw a cluster of long hairs which were wedged between the side of the visor and the helmet itself. Having pointed them out to the guide, he said, those are not the hairs of anything in these woods. They must have been, been belonged to the rider. 
And I was already thinking, how was the rider's hair wrapped around the front of the helmet, being wedged behind a visor above his brow, and torn free when his head was severed? I turned away and began to weep as my mind was reliving this dream in vivid detail. Hearing the screams and seeing the creature's face as he took the rider's life. To this day, I don't know why I was chosen to go there and uncover that heinous event. But I was there and had to bring some closure to what had happened. For whatever reason, I don't know. From the looks of what we had seen, this event must have happened in, say, the 70s. Perhaps those who had searched for the man, if they did in fact search for him at all, had never found him, which was no surprise to me. This place was like hiking through the Amazon jungle, and it would by no means be an unlikely scenario for a man or anything for that matter to not be found in here. Maybe he was a loner, and nobody even knew he had come in here on a motorcycle that day, that he met his death at the hands of the beast. But we will never know. What do you think of that, Kev? I think I don't want to dream about motorcycles tonight. Can you imagine? That's the second or the third time... Uh, that I have been on the receiving end of a story where dreams were involved with the uh, consequential uh, finding or sighting, or in this case, a a finding of what he saw in the dream. Yeah, it's a creep fest, buddy. Unbelievable, you know? Absolute creep fest. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. The distance between Idaho and Vancouver Island, uh, the fact that he was compelled to do this beyond, you know, maybe his financial means or time restraints, whatever. It wasn't exactly around the corner. He certainly could have gone hunting in Iowa. And uh, you mean this Idaho? Is, Idaho. Uh, Idaho. This is what he comes across. You know. Yeah. No, it's wild. Yeah, yeah, absolutely bizarre. Very strange story, uh, uh-huh. and you did bring the Bigfoot for folks that wanted the Bigfoot and the creep. They got a bonus tonight on full moon night. Yeah, well, this is what he says he saw. Yeah, in the dream, and then the dream became a reality. You know, yeah, that's. I've heard strange like things like this happen before to people in life. You know. Uh, even in, in relative to like horrific events, you know, like I had a dream I shouldn't get on the plane or I shouldn't board the Titanic and, uh, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And the next thing you know, something happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how in some cases, uh, evidently these things can and do happen. Yeah. Very bizarre indeed. That's so yeah. vivid and. Uh, specific too, the type of Bultaco motorcycle and stuff is yeah, definitely yeah. strange. And obviously, he know he knew what he was looking at, you know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's it, man. That's another bizarro 
story for the mill, and that following the Van Meter horned luminescent monster. <laughs> stinky, oh stinky monster. Stinky flying monster. <laughs> I'm not telling you, man. It's just, there's some bizarre happenings going on out there over time, and uh, the stench. Thankfully, people are willing to share them, you know. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, what do we got today, Kevin? Our listener mail. Yeah, we got some good listener mail. The first email comes in from Tina from Tennessee. All right. And her subject is, you guys are great. I mean, that's not why I picked it, but it doesn't hurt. (laughs) And then (laughs) Tina writes, I just want to thank you, Bill and Kev, for all your work to bring us, the listeners, such great content. My husband and I listen to every episode. Your podcast is by far our favorite. The humor you two always have cracks us up. We often joke and repeat your intro. Oh, my God, it's a freaking Sasquatch. (laughs) We even have a a little Jack Russell Chester hunting Sasquatch. (laughs) Nice. Go get him, Chester. And all we have to say is, is that Sasquatch? And he (laughs) runs to the window and growls looking for his prey. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. That is funny, boy. Anyways, I just want to give you all a big thank you. Keep up the amazing work. May God bless you greatly. Tina and Larry from Southeast Tennessee. Yeah, well, Tina and Larry, we are really glad that you decided to chime in with us, man. Yeah, and that's great. It's great hearing that, from you. Yeah, that's a cool, cool letter. Uh, did they say the name of their little uh, Jack Russell? No, no. No. I'd like to know oh, his Ch- name. Maybe it's Chester. Chester, okay. Chester. All right. Little and, Chester uh, hunting down the big I like guy. That, I like that saying, like, is that a Sasquatch? <laughs> <laughs> is that a dog man out there? <laughs> I said that to Martha. She just looks at me like, yeah, if it is, you better take care of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Labrador retriever. Throw a tennis ball, I'll get it. Dog man, nothing to do with it. Forget it. <laughs> Retriever duck, maybe. Maybe. Depends. <laughs> uh, that's All right, our next in. one comes from the great state of Virginia, from Joshua. And he says, hey, WJ and KJ, I really enjoy listening to you guys joking back and forth. It reminds me of when my siblings and I get together. Probably about a year ago, <clears throat> excuse me, Kevin mentioned that he was hiking local trails in the suburbs of North Carolina and that he didn't think he needed to worry about running into the hairy man. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I hate to disagree, Uh-oh. Joshua writes. But I have had numerous encounters at our previous home in the suburbs of Roanoke, Virginia. So that's just up the road for me. Our home was located exactly one-third of a mile from the city limits along the Blue Ridge Parkway. And he writes, Roanoke is a city of about 100,000 people, but when you add in the surrounding suburbs, its population was 315,000 back in 2020. My encounters involved footprints, wood knocks, being screamed at, having trees pushed over as I was fishing. 
an area that contained the skeletons of about six or seven deer, numerous squirrels, and other vermin. I'm certain I I have seen it once, probably twice. Love the format of the show, and WJ's stories are very intriguing. Thanks for the show, Josh. Yeah, Kev, you know, I reached out to Josh, and Josh, I'm going to say it again if you're listening. You contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Hit the contact link just like you did sending us your email, and leave me your number. I want to give you a call and talk to you about some of your uh, uh, encounters that you've had or findings that you've had, you know, make for an interesting... uh, Plus, I'd just like to talk to you, so... Do that. Yep. So he's saying around the Roanoke area or the greater Roanoke area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, when I'm I'm uh, hiking, usually in the cooler weather right here in Raleigh, because uh, right now it's like the surface of the sun out there. Um, but, you know, as soon as fall starts to hit, I'll go out hiking in the morning and in the evening real close to my house, you know, within a mile of my house. There's some great trails on a lake, on what's called Falls Lake. And um, it's rural, but, you know, like like jo- like Josh said, it's like, you know, I don't think I'm going to see the hairy man there. But I yeah. guess you never know. You never know. You never know. Like the guy in New Jersey, Kev, who had the thing take the sausages off the plate by his grill. I mean, do you think he was expecting that that day he was barbecued Italian sausages? No, but it might have been some kind of radioactive critter in New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, full disclosure. Yeah, I'll <laughs> never forget that one, man. He said he had taken the sausages off the grill, laid them on a plate on the railing of his deck, went in to get some condiments to bring out for the table, and this thing was there. The plate was dumped over, the sausages were gone. And it took off into the woods behind his house. Whoa. They sold the house weeks later. Sausage stealing Harry Man. I wonder if that was on like their real estate disclosure. Yeah, I doubt it. Was man. grilling sausages and a Bigfoot took them off of my grill. <laughs> yeah. Price three, reduced. Three weeks ago. <laughs> Price reduced. Motivated seller. Exactly. <laughs> Harry man in the neighborhood. <laughs> All right. Tony uh, from your favorite state, Bill. Uh, my favorite state? Yeah. Oregon. You mean, oh, 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 that favorite state of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and he writes, hi, William and Kevin. With you two being the peak of human physical fitness. <laughs> I'm sure that you're aware that you and know that the World Athletics Championships are held in Eugene, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. He writes it <laughs> three different ways. Uh-huh. Whatever. Anyway, the championship's mascot is a Bigfoot called Legend. Nice. I don't know why you always say carry more gun than you think you're going to need. He looks quite cute. Yeah. And the hairy guy is always smiling and joking around with the fans. <laughs> I think Sasquatch would be great for a kid's party or any family get-together. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Until the bodies start to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I mean, you know, like all the kids are going to have Sasquatch. I think you should have the Van Meter visitor. Yeah. I mean, other than the stench, I mean, it'd yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah. That'll teach those kids to come to your party. Yeah, you, you might be able to get them to behave or at least keep some of the kids away. Or quiet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. And our last email comes in from Rob in Oklahoma, because Oklahoma is okay. That's right. And he says, hey, guys, Rob in Oklahoma here. Hope all is well with you and yours. I've been missing you the past few weeks. I listen every week. I've written several times, and I've talked to WJ on the phone. I'm wondering if you guys have heard of the stories of Dogman and Bigfoot in the area called the Land Between the Lakes. Oh. And yes, we have heard of the stories, and we've reported on some of the stories there in Land Between the Lakes, but mm-hmm. let me go on. Land Between the Lakes National Recreation Area is an area in Kentucky and Tennessee between Lake Barkley and Kentucky Lake. It was designated as a National Recreation Area in 1963 by President John F. Kennedy. It is indeed a beautiful area. Uh, But there are many encounter stories in this beautiful area. Probably the most famous and most horrific is a story about an entire family being wiped out by a dog man. Wow. Yeah. This happened in 1982. And if you know the story, then you know that there is a lot of bad information out there. Many of the facts have been reported wrong. But the gist of the facts are a family camping in an RV was attacked and killed. The father, mother, son, and daughter were killed. What only came to light recently is there was a survivor. Hmm. So we have a witness to the attacks. One of the creatures was also killed. That's That's right. There were at least two creatures involved in this attack. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. The witness description doesn't fit most current dogman sightings descriptions. The descriptions almost sound like some kind of a hybrid creature, kind of like a mix of dogman and Bigfoot. Probably these things were the legendary Gugwe, the Bigfoot-type creatures I've written to you about before. The Gugwe have a protruding snout. The Choctaw Indians called the Gugwe the face eaters. Oh, man. Truly horrific and savage beasts. I will include some links for you to explore. Best hey, Kev. Yeah. Kev, while you're there, how is he spelling uh, Gugly? G-U-G-W-E. G-U-G-W-E. And he's relating that to the Choctaw? Choctaw? Yep. Choctaw. And you know why I'm writing this down? I'm going to talk to Philip about this because Philip's Cherokee. Okay. And he's down there in that neck of the woods. I want to I want to talk to him about what he knows about the Chugney and the uh, Choctaw uh, Indians' uh, uh, belief in them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. I just no, want... that's it. That's it. That's the last oh, okay. of our letters from Rob in Oklahoma. So, folks, wow. thanks for tuning in. Great podcast tonight, Bill. A good, good hairy man coverage. 
for those skeptics out there. And uh, folks, if you haven't left us a five-star review lately or a written five-star review on your favorite podcast player, please do so. It is virtually the only means we have of attracting new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we can continuously improve the quality of the podcast and stay on our weekly schedule. And if you don't think we have to improve the quality of the podcast, well, (laughs) you have not been listening because we have been improving over time, but there is definitely still room for improvement. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see where we go, you know. It's It's an interesting ride, to say the least. And by the way, folks, if you should find yourself on Vancouver Island or perhaps wandering around the woods aimlessly in the land between the lakes, you better remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. Sleep tight.